everyone, happy end of year. Um, welcome to Spool.ie's special 2013 Roundup podcast. I'm Nigel Wheatley, and beside me, as always, is Porrick McGeo. Hello. Hello, hello. How's it going? It's, uh, so it's been a year since we started doing these uh, podcasts, believe it or not. It's and flown by. It has flown by. And it's, um, we had a lot of fun sitting down last night and looking back at the films that have taken our fancy over the last year. Um, we're going to start... What we're going to do is we're not going to do the typical just countdown our tens because we have a, a post yeah. which has gone online at the same time as this on spool.ie, spool with four O's. Um, which outlines our our favourites and our tops. So we're just going to we'll have the usual joint five, which we did last year. Saves a bit of rows. Yeah, individuals and joint fives. So and this is more so a look back at the year. Yeah. So we're going to start. We're going to rewind right back to January with um, a great scene from a film that we both liked, one which you loved and one which I liked. Here it is. Hello, you poor devils. Is there one amongst you who was formerly a resident of the Karukan plantation? I'm from the Karukan plantation. Who said that? What's your name? Django. Then you're exactly the one I'm looking for. Very good. That was, of course, Django Unchained. Um, Quentin Tarantino's latest foray into westerns, and he recently came out a couple of months ago saying how he's going to do another western. I think it'll be his next film. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was funny but again what happens is everyone's already really tired in January and we have to watch all these films then that come out that everyone was talking about two the months ago. before yeah, yeah and, it, and it appears in journalists best of lists if you're reading American press or very often then annoying uh, people will put them in and you're like well this is just well it, what I mean is it's annoying that people put them in and then yeah. we're sat there talking about um, how great Django Unchained is we're getting it this year with the Wolf of Wall Street 12 Years a Slave 12 Years a Slave and it's really just downright annoying so yeah. we can't do anything about it we're going to maybe try and get some sort of an appeal but when dealing with multi-million uh, dollar companies they're probably not really going to listen to us but uh, yeah. so apart from Django Unchained in January the similar kind of films like that were Zero Dark Thirty which Nigel loved and Lincoln yeah, those were kind of the two, three big hitters. Yeah, which everyone then thought were the the, the Oscar kind of worthy ones, um, and it ended up being that uh, Zero Dark Thirty got completely shut out. Zero Dark Thirty, one of my favorites of the year, because it's basically like a live action version of Homeland, and Homeland's one of my favorite TV shows. And so it was, uh, it was good. We talked about it before. If you want to look back in our archives, back to the January um, podcast, but um, yeah, I took a lot from it. And then from the Oscars, kind of those, so like, what clean, the Oscars was a bit of a mismatch. It was like Life of Pi and Argo was split for director and film. And who, Daniel Deleuze got best actor. Mm. And. Oh, it's a pop quiz. The female from The Hunger Games and. Gen- Jennifer Lawrence. She won for Silver Linings. Silver Linings, yeah. So again, like when we look back at the slate of, of Oscar films, we, we aren't getting what they have in America where everyone gets to see them by the the time Christmas rolls around here we're getting some of them that hang around for about a year like um, yeah so um, we'll see maybe in 12 months time we'll be talking but again about it how could great be the annoying thing now is yeah it's 12 years to slave yeah, could be our exactly. best film of yeah, the year 12 months time well I automatically am I go against these those, things yeah. and I like I view the Oscars as the cut off I prefer to do it anything if it comes out in America it's kind of in my head it's a new season of films yeah but um, anyway that was uh, that's how it works in, in January um Another film I'd kind of like to highlight that a lot of people didn't really talk about and um, was uh, Pablo Lorraine's No. Remember this uh, guy, yep. Garcia Bernal, was in it and it was the story of uh, the kind of the, st- the start of getting rid of the general uh, Pinochet regime in, in Chile. Yeah. And uh, The thing that set it apart was that it was used on cameras and stuff from, when was it set, the 80s? Or the, yeah, 1988. Yeah, and so, so it kind of gives that TV. really gritty, yeah. grainy quality. Yeah, which is cool, because they did that in um, with Computer Chess as well, a film that's on my must-watch over Christmas list, because um, it just looks hilarious. But it's a great way of showing... Yeah, because I thought that was a documentary, but you told me it was like... No, yeah, this is it's a really good way of adding a layer of authenticity to make something, to just give it that kind of look... Um, of 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 age and everything like that. So um, I I would happily go back and watch No because it kind of got a bit uh, forgotten, but it has shown up in one or two. We had we had our po- um post yesterday 
um, of some of the Friends of Spool uh, favourites and it showed up in there and I was delighted that oh, someone brilliant. else other than you or I uh, <laughs> acknowledged it acknowledged it yeah um, we had JDIF then in February as well which uh, one of the big ones I did uh, which actually came out about two weeks after it was Cloud Atlas yeah um, it was the, the Wachowski brothers and siblings sorry and I was noticing when I was <laughs> political correctness yeah, no longer yeah. brothers exactly brother and sister uh, but there's another director in that Tom uh, Tickwer he's actually on, if you look at the IMDP page I don't know if he was like but he's included in the main bulk of the directors so it's actually the three of them mm. and you can kind of understand so are they so that cool now that they just the go film. around on uh, on uh, Segways. Segways, yeah. <laughs> just shouting. Shouting and whipping. Although I guess with something as ambitious as Cloud Atlas that we're probably B-rolled, like there's so many layers there's of something. There's so like many that. different stories. Yeah, it was the big hitter, kind of like, um, it's all really just about reincarnation and how something can have an effect in different yeah, worlds. Yeah, we looked like, at a few clips of it last night and it's so hard. Like when you're, you go through something on on YouTube, like we try, we tried to look for clips that'll actually work in the podcast here that obviously we are on radio yeah um in effect the modern version of radio and not everything lends itself very well when you take the visual away yeah and i've never been so unaffected by a clip as as have been by the cloud atlas ones listening sounds like like mumbo jumbo and yet with the images then it works yeah very good um some good performances of tom hanks again kind of started off his year he had a lot of performances mm. in it. Yeah, <laughs> Halle Berry as well, characters. and then yeah. I like Ben Whishaw's story. He was kind of the composer in. Uh, yeah, it's something that if it was on TV on like a Sunday evening or something, I'd really get kind of lost. Be a nice one for after the it. Christmas dinner. No, watch it with your mum and dad. Yeah, they not get very confused. Mum and dad have already seen it. They quite liked it. All right. They were like, "There's a lot in it." And I was like, "Yeah," and they were able to follow. <laughs> God, no, I'm a lot less ambitious with my. Christmas viewing I think um, if I can set it up maybe something like uh, Captain Phillips or Philomena was a big hit yeah um, my old pair I Uh, think the Lone Ranger will be the Christmas Day film interesting yeah it's very interesting yeah it was a much maligned title this year yeah but um, it uh, came out on in September and it it's got this thing where like with uh, films like 47 Ronan we're seeing it now and but like back last year John Carter and some of these things people love to just write off a film before but it was really stupid by Disney because they released it in America first and America doesn't like Westerns anymore watch them whereas Europe still yeah. has a lot of time for them they should have released it here first and it, it wouldn't have had such negative reviews and then might have done a bit better in America yeah fire them all out at the same time they did that with um, I think one of the big films that managed to do it so well is the Avengers and it got phenomenal reviews here and then in America they're, they'll kind of mm-hmm. go to sort of what, they, what they're told and the Lone Ranger didn't do that bad for them in the end because it's international market kind of saved its bacon yeah yeah, so that's it. Uh, moving on, uh, you picked what you pick out. Oh, Stoker. Let's, Stoker uh, check this one out. In about 60 seconds, your mother's going to tell you that I'm going to be staying here for a while, but I want it to be your decision, too. Why? Because it's important to me. So there you heard a clip from uh, Chan Wook Park's uh, film Stoker, which came out in March. And another tie-in, he was the original director of Old Boy, which came out uh, Spike Jones is uh, Spike Lee, sorry, remake to very yeah. little fanfare. Have you read much about the Spike Jones film? Her, the one that he's got next to him with, with Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix. That yeah. sounds brilliant. Yeah, I know. I'm really it's and it's Scarlet. in the awards conversation or whatever, but it's on the cover of Sight and Sound at the minute, and um. I'd kind of read about a little bit about it, but I'm doing my best not to know too much about it. Yeah. I think Scarlett is only voicing. She's only voicing the the think, android. Yeah. So it's yeah. basically um, Joaquin Phoenix falls in love with uh, an android character. Yeah. I think it, I I think it's going to be great. I can't wait. I think that that's late January. Um, not too sure, but uh, okay. again, another one of these things that gets a bit frustrating because it gets so much good play. But um, yeah. Yeah, Stoker was a really weird film. Like it felt really kind of pulpy or something, or really kind of. There's a real kind of Heather's buzz off it, I find. Yeah. And it's very daydream and trancy and quite unwe- weird. Like, if you know Old Boy, there's a quite a, an unsettling he's such a good, thing he's running a real, through it. Yeah, he, but he's such a showy director as well, but like so many in a good way. Yeah. Like, you get a couple of. Sometimes the director will just feel the need, and we saw The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, which is out over Christmas. And Ben Stiller, he's only directed a few. I kind of thought the film was nearly okay, but ne- like barely, and you really hated it. I hated it, yeah. Um, but like Ben Stiller has all these tricks, and you can tell, you're like, oh, there's a trick. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. You can tell and like it, it's, it, it takes you away it's from really it. tonally wrong the Sacred Life of Walter Mitty because it's trying to be serious and then he just really it doesn't yeah. have a clue I think what yeah. he's at. Whereas I think we, we, going back to Stoker like Chan McFarg kind of he he he's got these skills but he he sets he'll just do a weird really weird close up on something yeah like I think I seem to remember some him. people can find his films quite hard to uh, attach to or get anything from because it can be quite emotionally stunted or mm. very still but I think that's part of the attraction of it yeah Mia Wachowski fantastic in it yeah Um, she has a film coming out in February where she's in the desert have you seen that trailer with your man from Girls uh, oh right Adam 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 Brody Brody's no, I think Adam's his character now. oh Adam Driver okay Brody Driver Mini Driver Mini Driver Who's yes that's it Mini Driver ah. I always enjoyed that was my favourite pun as a child um, anyway I think she's great uh, yeah so it was it was a good one it won't make it into our lists but it was one to watch yeah 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 absolutely um, another one then that came I, I had it written down coming up um, a bit after it was Robot and Frank a film that had kind of hung around for a while uh, Frank Langella basically plays this sort of slightly delusional he's dementia doesn't Think he he's kind of losing thief his thief character yeah so a, for, a former thief and he's losing his mind and we saw we saw this and we'll chat about it a bit later with um, with Nebraska that there's something really really affecting about seeing adult children trying to deal with a parent who's kind of losing yeah losing focus a bit um, but anyway we've a clip from uh, Robot from Frank. Robot and Frank yeah You have got to be kidding me. I'm not this pathetic. I don't need to be spoon-fed by some goddamn robot. Jen, it's this. It's not like that. Okay? It's new. It's it's more like a like a butler. You're gonna leave me with this death machine? What's the problem? It's a robot. Hi, Frank. It's a pleasure to meet you. How do you know? All right. Yeah, so very good. Franklin Geller, fantastic as uh, the thief and Peter Sarsgaard voices um, the robot. Uh, I'm pretty sure a ballerina played the robot because you kind of think it might be automated, but I think yeah. it is actually a person inside it yeah. in some of the scenes. It's worth going back to. Like, I think it's the kind of thing that on Netflix people might... Yeah. And it's kind of there and like it got really good it's reviews. Lovely, really, it's a really go. nice story and it stars Susan Sarandon who was also in Cloud Atlas. She had another bit of a year this year. Um... Where she had a few releases at the same time, yeah, yeah. which is one of my favorite things when that happens. <laughs> um, but uh, worth worth checking out. Um, April a bit of a funny month. Um, yeah, we had the very controversial Spring Breakers. Um, it was a director Harmony. Can we have a clip? Yeah, okay, we'll play a clip first. Here's James Franco being deadly. This is my fucking dream, y'all. All this shit. Look at my shit. I got. I got short every fucking color I got designer t-shirts I got gold bullets motherfucking vampires I got Scarface on repeat Scarface on repeat constant y'all I got escape Calvin Klein escape mix that shit up with Calvin Klein B smell nice I smell nice ain't a fucking bed that's a fucking art piece my fucking spaceship USS Enterprise on this shit I go to different planets on this motherfucker me and my fucking Franklin's here we take off fucking take off off. look at my shit look at my shit yep so there we heard James Franco who was playing Alien I think his character name was so he's this drug dealer uh, wannabe player (laughs) and uh, he kind of recruits these four girls who are on spring break the notorious American uh holiday so it kind of got a lot of controversy because it it brought up this the stigma of like sexualization of women is it taking advantage of them you know is it more is it just taking advantage of them and actually not really showing anything yeah i kind of thought of it like somehow as a female point break like there were just these kind of girls hanging out having fun and then they go on this bit of a robin spree and like they ultimately triumph at the end like james franco comes up short and so do the other characters whereas they kind of get away not spoiling too much so it's kind of they come out on skis they've had their time and I don't know I kind of thought it was really interesting Selena Gomez looked great in it as well am I not meant to say that said sex is not yeah yeah and I, I did wonder though I think the director Harmony Corrine Mental 
Mm. And you can kind of tell from that. I'd say that set was a very unusual place to work for any of those, like, uh, like, mm. like the actors or whatever. I'd say it it's was. very funny as well. Like, there's a brilliant scene where James Franco is playing a piano. He's doing a Britney Spears mm. cover, and this there's a montage set to the women uh, robbing all these people and stealing their money. And you know, it does have a humor in it. I don't think it should be taken too seriously. But James Franco getting legitimate. Uh, the com- the uh, distributors behind it or the studio I'm not sure who it was have taken out ads kind of promoting and sent out screeners to try and get James Franco as a best supporting actor kind of thing for it but I'm not sure it's getting anywhere as a campaign though Got it. he kind of makes it he's fantastic but yeah. James Franco is a bit of a marmite you either love him or hate him exactly yeah um, another controversial one then that came out uh, then was Fede Alvarez's uh, Evil Dead kind of um Spate of horror remix. Yeah, we saw it on a Friday morning and had sort of mixed to low expectations, and it fairly knocked the quite negative off. initially. I was kind of like, I yeah. didn't want to see this. Yeah, I'd sent you the trailer a year ago, mm. and you're like, this is gonna be a disaster. But the more you read about him and the way Sam Raimi was involved, it actually it it won you over as much as a modern remake Can. of a cl- like legitimately fan revered classic horror film that if you went back and watch it now is it's revered for very different reasons like it's revered because of its kind of DIY aesthetic and mm. um, but that was the thing with the modern one wasn't it as well it was still quite DIY and yeah they went for in-house effects yeah or... next to no CGI as far as I can remember and like trying to do everything in camera as best they could which when you see how much blood is in it is phenomenal it's an absolute gore fest yeah but I think like when I look back on the year I was trying to work out the year in horror and there's so little like We'll have your next. We'll talk about it later, but yeah, but the, like I mean, Mama was pretty see, terrible. Yeah, and you see trailers for the next kind of paranormal Cities activity. Two was okay, but nothing amazing. It's just about okay, wasn't it? So yeah. I mean, in terms of mainstream horror, there wasn't a whole lot happening. You look at the lineup for the the IFI's horror. The Conjuring was probably the mostly best, crap. I think, maybe. Yeah, and yet the Conjuring, to be fair, is really just a pastiche of lots of other films and is that it's the best we can do now following a formula almost yeah which I've no problem with I thought it was fantastic but like it really wasn't at all original so I don't know I thought Evil Dead was great for that reason because it wasn't original but felt original even though it's based on an original text yeah. it felt like something fresh and new um, we're getting very abstract here we're getting a bit abstract on it but I think people need to like Evil Dead got so much bad press and it was really annoying because um yeah, I think a lot of people didn't like viewed it with that horrible. It's not a decent enough story as well because you're like, how are they going to do this? And it's uh, a female character's um, yeah. trying to give up heroin addiction. Yeah. So then initially everybody thinks she's just hallucinating and seeing things, but then yeah, I mean you have to have certain conventions when you're with a script for a horror film that you have to play to. But then, uh, you know, when the mobile phone's battery runs out and they've no signal, you just kind of buy into that, and you're like, oh yeah, okay, that's fine. Yeah. Um very good so we haven't done any memorial in memoriam stuff for people who've died and so it was around this time of the year where um, as we moved into the, just before June that we got Fast and the Furious 6 which we've now um, learned was the final final released work he had two films one which came out last week about Hurricane Katrina I'm not sure what it's called but um, of Paul Walker um, All right, an actor to be fair who I suppose neither of us like he was in a lot of teen films years ago and but like he uh really made his name as being part of that Fast and the Furious franchise, franchise which only in recent years I've come to love like I watched I guess one and two when they came out and then dipped out as a franchise and then got back on board uh, For six. with with five oh. and then this was six and then we've seven and eight upcoming and um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with it Fast 6 was, was very very good it featured the longest runway um, in the world there was about a 10 minute sequence where a plane was about to take off and the rock and the Vindies were just bouncing around, and um, and a car blows up a tank or something. There's something of a tank in a car. I don't know. It's very daft, but it's kind of fun. Exactly, it's the most fun film. I think it's the most. Uh, I would promote Fast Six because it's the most knowing blockbuster. I think. I think it knows exactly what it needs to give people and what its audience want, and does it really, really well. Um, and it also wins our uh, our prize for diversity. If you look at the cast, yeah. Uh, and I think this is how it's done so much money in America like you've Latino elements you've African American you've Caucasian Asian Asian. all within okay sure maybe we could be cynical and say the casting people sat down and were like oh we're missing a we're missing the Asian demographic yeah let's but I I actually think so what like even if like it's it's a really good thing for people to be seeing and it represents um, modern America a lot more than Uh something like Man of Steel which is all about kind of white 
supremacy, supremacy almost. Yeah. Um, there's well, a good thing in The Hobbit. Uh, yeah. Did you note that in the little lake town where there were two black people? Um, I noticed I was, that in yeah. actually. I was just like, what? It, it almost felt a little bit too obvious. Yeah. Because I actually um, nudged my sister and I was like, there you go. They clearly got too much pressure as being white supremacists. And so, uh, obviously, Tolkien wrote a book. Tolkien's a massive racist. Everyone knows that. Well, no, that's a joke. I don't mean that. You can read. <laughs> no, there are dissertations about how Lord of the Rings signifies a lot of stuff about. Yes, because like, they to war, it came out World War Two kind of yeah, time. Yeah, the East and, is all these bad people, whereas the West is good. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. So who are the elves? No, who are the Nazis? There's no Nazis. Let's not try and the orcs, obviously. The orcs, right? Hitler's Saruman. Because yeah, the hobbits are clearly Sauron. English. Yeah. Well, they don't even hide the accents. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Yorkshire. Yeah, um, disappointments then start to happen in around May or June, whereby uh, big films that you've looked forward to or you've been told to look forward to them for about two years, yeah, um, come out and you're like, well, that or wasn't great, squid, was it? Yeah. So that my my one was Man of Steel with the Superman film from Zack Snyder, which uh, <laughs> or the Never Ending film. Yeah, like I love Zack Snyder and everything, huge amount of time for him, but I think this film, and yet then this got pretty good reviews, but it just. So many people died. Now you couldn't understand. Um, there was just really we, massive holes in the story and the plot. Like they did this thing where they had a recap where um, Russell Crowe's father. So he's hanging around the film like a ghost on the spaceship, which is really annoying. And then there's a thing with Kevin Costner, who's um, his Joseph, basically, you know, his on Earth father, and uh, he dies really stupidly. Yeah, yeah. The two and dads. But did, I did. I did remember someone had it from Tumblr or something, and it was like, "Oh, look, whose two dads are both Robin Hood," and they had Kevin Costner and Russell Crowe. So I was like, "Brilliant, oh, very good." So it wins probably for that. It um, went on too long. It had an Avengers thing where it was just like, "Oh, here's a, yeah. there's a stupid battle at the end." And I read a gr- yeah, we had a thing that we published yesterday. Just uh, as I said, people publishing their favorite things. But one of our contributors, uh, David, posted that uh, the thing reason he took so much from Gravity, which is one of his favorites, was because human life was given this kind of importance like really in Gravity you're talking about Sandra Bullock surviving it's one life whereas in Man of Steel a million people probably Swarms die of people just, just die, get squashed yeah. and human uh-huh. life has no value or whatever so um, that was a good point but uh, yeah. my anyway. big disappointment was uh, The Great Gatsby uh, oh yeah which we do have this nice music can we play a little bit of this music because yeah. I think that you said this was the highlight so let's play a bit of music from yeah. it <laughs> Yeah, so that was a clip of uh, Jack White did a song. A big selling point for The Great Gatsby was it had uh, got a lot of modern day artists to do songs. And this was that's actually a cover of a U2 song. Um, and it was in, there was a trailer that was released for it and it made it look fantastic, like the film was going to be brilliant. And you kind of got suckered in by the usual trailer trap. And uh, yeah, it was, I don't know, I just thought it was really terrible. I couldn't believe Leonardo DiCaprio, he really overacted didn't believe the love story between him and Kerry Mulligan had Tobey Maguire who I think is my most hated actor he's so he's annoying <laughs> I don't know what go it back is and watch him. one of the Spider-Man one or two and you might actually nearly warm to him yeah. though, but he has he makes very bad choices I think like Alarm Bells should have been wrong when it was supposed to come out for the Oscars in December and then was yeah. held back for re-editing but mm. it's his most successful film Baz Luhrmann the director is it? yeah Even financially it's his biggest film what does that mean? Uh, what do we know? Yeah, I don't know. Um, we had World War Z, Z then as yeah. well, kind of come out in this blockbuster thing again. As I mentioned earlier, this everyone loves to like write off a film and all reshoots and blah blah blah. Um, and then it came out and you're like, actually, you know what? This is actually kind of good. Pretty solid. Yeah, I loved what I loved about World War Z was the last half an hour or so. That was entirely the rewritten bit. Yeah, where it was an old school zombie film where it was just people yeah. trying to be quiet, going around a science yeah. lab. Yeah, I'm nineteen. Yeah, so there is a sequel upcoming I'm not sure who's involved but they have it in development and I think they've learned a lot from that so I can't wait I think yeah. I think it's the kind of thing that would lend itself really well to like series and it showed a zombie thing 
at a smaller little scale. I think that's why the film was successful in that end. Because yeah. we saw one situation in, was it Wales? Yeah, yeah, the crash <laughs> landing. I don't know where they're like. That oh. was really stupid, though. One part of the film, he keeps crash landing and everyone dies except him and some female that who will stay with him for the next 20 minutes of the film and then be dispensed. Yeah. Also got, there's plenty of great writing about how that process worked. And the guy who did Lost, uh, Damon Lindelof, who also writes Star Trek. Which was a decent enough blockbuster, to be fair. I don't think it was a Star Trek film, but it was a great film, but not a Star Trek film, if that's fair. Okay. Um, I think that I saw a poll on the internet where it was voted the worst Star Trek film of the... the Franchise? Yeah. Wow. Which is pretty... Damning. Yeah. But mm. but that's by Star Trek fans. Okay. Whereas, sure they know. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a very different world. But yeah. I think that's why I think actually Star Wars is going to be so good. Um, when's it out? Summer and a half. Two, uh, I think 18 months we're meant to get it. I bring it out bizarre. in the summer or the Christmas? I think it's July 15, I think. Okay. But um, I think J.J. Uh, Abrams knows how to kind of just pull enough out of a story and forget about what the fanboys yeah. people kind of Cause want. Because the much thing is you need to keep new life into it and like, attracting new friends fans because as yeah. everybody's know, young people don't watch old films yeah exactly so we we, we, we talk about stuff like Carrie this, and might old... then go back and watch yeah. the Wrath Can you know yeah yeah exactly and like I mean we talked about um, Old Boy earlier and like the kind of negativity that comes out when its remake was there its remake was just a bad film but like it shouldn't yeah. have instantly been kind of doomed same with Carrie like they're a bit pointless but equally most 15 16 year olds in America aren't going to watch those films they don't know so it's not like stuffy 30 and 40 year old kind of bloggers and journalists mm. whose opinion really matters too much yeah Um. but that's it that was so that was a weird I was worried about the blockbuster state of events at that time of the year and then July kind of saved it by uh, knocking us out with two uh, interesting films we'll take a clip from uh, from one of them this is from my cousin Ben Wheatley Whitehead I know you're there Do not concern yourself with bravery and I went ahead. Disofficial. You're my prisoner. I think I have worked out what God is punishing us for. <coughs> Everything. There we go. A field in England. Black and white. Man. What's it all about? Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. For that reason, I would mark it down. But seemingly, your logic is <laughs> give it more I don't stars. Understand it? My God! Therefore, it must be amazing. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. No. Well, I like a film where it kind of makes you think, and you can go back and get different meanings from it. Like a big. We saw upstream color in that month as well. Yeah, Both of us saw that, that was together. a similar type of thing. You can go and see that numerous times and get well, something different it, from it. It opens it's my your mind a bit. It doesn't really make documentaries because I love documentaries obviously but I will never re-watch a documentary because I know the story I'm never going to be like oh I didn't re-. I just like Nothing no I know the story yeah. yeah yeah. so The Field in England was the Ben Wheatley directed and the novel thing about that was it's multi-format release it came out in the cinema DVD yeah we watched it at home iTunes downloads everything and it was on the telly yeah so I don't know financially like it was an incredibly cheap film to make and you can kind of tell it was cheap that's why he made it pretty black much and white. set in a field in England yeah. during the English Civil but, War um, I wonder how the money went for like film four and all the backers from it or how I'd say it probably did the best for him because like based on what it was about you have your hardcore fans of Ben Wheatley who will go see it and then you might but, but did, like on the television best, like, I think it probably yeah. would have done the best for him because you, you know they'll plug it a bit and then you might just be flicking around and be like oh what's this I might watch this yeah, but it's a very weird film. Um, it did have one of my favorite scenes of the year, though, where the um, do you want to describe? You know the bit where yeah, it's when um, Reese Shearsmith is turned into a human human uh, div- divining rod or divining rod. Divining rod, yeah, yeah, it's terrifying. Her, yeah, so the score of the film is worth like there's a film that just lends itself to listening to as well. You can yeah. be incredibly creeped out by it. Uh, it had Michael Smiley in it, and we always like him. Yeah, so this it did reveal a little bit of a tiny trend that we saw this year, where uh, black and white films seemed to kind of rule the roost, and um, so so there was it. Yeah, Francis Ha, uh, Nebraska, Computer Chess, the 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 Shakespeare thing by Joss Whedon. What was that called? Much Ado. Much Ado about nothing. Is that it? Yeah. The Blancanieve film. 
the one that was like the artist where it was like the retelling of uh thing yeah i don't have these written down poor can verify these yeah, are coming no, off my brain this coming, is this fresh what's live. that seven yeah. So like I mean I, it's kind of fun I guess it's as easy to make a film in black and white as it is now because you're not paying as color now because you're not paying yep. for film stock or like developing doesn't really exist like you just flick a switch and you're like let's do it in black and white and, yeah. and a field in England for example was filmed in color and then they realized oh we can we'll just make it black and white like by you know flick, flicking that switch on the computer you know pulling the <laughs> pulling the monochrome <laughs> yeah but um had two interesting uh, things just on the cinema's dead kind of thing two interesting experiences recently in a national cinema chain world cinema chain European cinema chain French were it's um, World yeah oh yeah so um, first of all listening. they didn't turn the lights off for the first five oh, to yeah. ten minutes of Frozen and then for Kill Your Darlings they didn't start the film for about 20 minutes after it was supposed to start yeah. obviously because it's all on timers and they don't have projectionists anymore yeah it's fairly worrying like they I think I saw it in a, in um in the Lightbox Cinema in Toronto and they what they used to have was a security camera in every screen and a little sound meter so at least in a control room one person has an eye and he can see 20 cinemas and he'll know oh it's 20 past 4 the 4 o'clock showing of um, Kill Your Darlings is meant to be on now oh good it's on screen and I'm seeing some sound levels so and they can tune in and see if the press, press a button so at least if you're going to get rid of projectionists and make it all automated at least have a, a system in place where they can instantly kind of hop into a screen yeah. and check stuff is working and it was kind of funny for both scenarios for Kill Your Darlings it was kind of like a late 20s older crowd so everyone was just like oh they'll turn the film on eventually we'll just sit here and we'll chill have a chat out. it was night time so most people were with but people f- for Frozen it was like full of families with uh, kids going bonkers so After within we. about two seconds of people realising the light should be gone some dad had got up marched down the stairs and then it was turned off so that was good yeah yeah. it is funny um, when anything that kind of upsets the, the, the status quo of going to cinema happens like that it's very unsettling yeah <laughs> We're creatures of habit. Do not realise this. Yeah. So J- July kind of restored my faith a little bit. I remember getting a bit bummed out in in May or June with all the blockbusters. Um, we went on holidays then in August, and uh, we took a week or two off. I went to Bath. I went to a lovely little independent cinema and I saw the Alan Partridge film, um, which was very good. Um, Alpha Papa. We have a clip from it if you want to kind of tune in to that. Uh, a little bit awkward. Who's in charge? Make no mistake, this lady is in charge. So here's the situation. Pat is refusing to speak to us directly. He's willing to give us three hostages, but only if he can talk to us through you. Now we need to know why Pat has done this, so we can draw things to a peaceful conclusion. Yeah, sure, I'll I'll talk to him, deal. I mean, sorry, one person, yeah, uh, come out here. Okay, now, are you on any medication? Uh, just some cream. Uh, I've got very aggressive athlete's foot, but that's the only thing about me that is. And do you suffer from any nervous conditions, such as panic attacks? (laughs) Do I look like I suffer from panic attacks? I've had one panic attack in a car wash. It was a perfect storm of no sleep, uh, no wife, and angry brushes whirring towards me. Um, by the time the giant hairdryer came on, I was in the footwell. So, always enjoyable to see a film kind of out of a different environment like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, Partridge came back and it was a weird nostalgic thing for anyone kind of late 20s, 30s, even into the 40s, because... Um, it it just we're seeing this character who so many people hold in such high regard and he's just having having the crack yeah it was a pretty solid film like I'm not the biggest uh, not that I'm not a fan I'm just not that aware of Steve Coogan as Alan Partridge um, yeah but it was a, it's an entertaining film it's pretty funny gets a bit silly towards it has the to do with action way, film unfortunately yeah. I would have been so happy and I often have this um, you were talking last month about drinking buddies where it, sometimes it's kind of nice for people to just kind of hang out and chat yeah. and I like <laughs> I enjoy films that give me an opportunity to do that with people if you like the characters yeah. where you're like you know could do. it's quite grand thing. for you to sit in the studio and just talk for an hour and a half yeah. to do a radio show instead of turn into yeah. some Mr Bean type thing yeah so it was good um, you're next I think came out that month um, which was another kind of gore oh, fest the one of that a horror t- two movie. years in the making to get that into the cinema yeah 2011 it came out I think premiered yeah. yeah it's always worrying when that happens and yet it did phenomenally did really well over here uh, it was pretty gory there were some good kills in it I think the most uh, eventful kill of the year was when somebody had a blender put in their head and then it was turned on <laughs> very reminiscent of uh, Bad Taste the Peter Jackson film kind of reminded me of that I think um, so yeah, anyway, we went from home and away, was in it. Yes, Sharni Vinson. 
Yes, uh, she was very good. It was kind of the classic, you know, female on her own. Um, it's a family reunion, and then the people, the family, start getting bumped off, and then we soon realise that it uh, may be one member of the family that is bumping everybody off. Uh oh! Spoiler alert. Well, yeah. actually, not really, because you didn't say. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the Lone Ranger as well was that month, which we both really liked. We talked about it a bit earlier, but it was good. It's really funny. I love what I loved about the Lone Ranger was it knew exactly what it was about there was a total there's like a five minute lead up to the scene where uh, the Lone Ranger is on Silver jumps up goes hi-ho Silver way and the music kicks in and you're like yeah brilliant that's all I want from the Lone Ranger whereas in Superman they didn't even have the Superman music yeah disappointing disappointing also following on from your next was uh, The Call a film that no one talked about or thinks was great but I watched it or saw even maybe um, no one saw it Mark Kermode liked it and then it got one or two good reviews in America um, made a bit of money because it was so cheap to make it was done by our new favourite uh, company WWE Films <laughs> who also did Dead Man Dead Down Man starring Colin Farrell was there a goon in the call was there a wrestler in the call there weren't actually any wrestlers in it I don't think which was really disappointing for me because I have a bit of a secret interest in pro wrestling so I always love when I notice haha <laughs> he's a wrestler haha <laughs> Um, but anyway the call it's usually I have a guy who can't really walk or speak English or speak English <laughs> but just is very tall and bulky um, we have a bit of a clip from, from it 911 where's your emergency I'm a man is trying to break into my house I'm all alone okay sweetheart calm down my parents are out there at a movie I can't reach them I, I understand that sweetheart what's your name? Leah, Leah Templeton oh god she broke the window she's coming in the back Okay, Leah, listen to me. Find a room and lock yourself in it right now. Okay. Leah? Leah. I'm, I'm upstairs in my room, but, but the, the door won't lock. It's in my house. Leah? Leah? See, that's pretty creepy, right? You're on the edge. Yeah. You're feeling it. Like, this is the definition of a cheap thrill but it actually has a really kind of dark element of revenge yeah but it's more like it's it's as much a revenge thriller as it is like kind of it's not really a horror necessarily it's like a really cheap feeling um, film but um, it is the second film in the year to feature a girl stuck in the back of a car because there was the other one with Nicolas Cage um, from earlier in the year can't remember going around New Orleans oh yeah yeah, involves urination. Yeah. Someone's stuck in a trunk in trance. Is that a girl or is that yeah. stuck in the car? Um, that was in a dream, so we'll never know who was really in the booth. So three people stuck in the back of the cars. That can be up for the spool awards. Best scene <laughs> in the back of a car. So we'll take one. It didn't make either of our lists, but it was a very good film. It was Kelly and Victor. Well, it didn't make my list because I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it. He'd like it. Nigel like it though. There's loads of weird sex in it. Um, <laughs> thank you. We're not. We're PG in iTunes. I haven't. I haven't given us NSFW uh, rating, so we can't reveal too much. Yeah, we're not a bouts video. Um, so Kelly and Victor. It was. Uh, it was funded partly funded by the Irish Film Board, and um, but it was set in Wales and starred a Northern Irish actress. I'll tell because I don't know what her stance is. Um, so it was. Uh, that's what she is. Yeah, but she might claim herself as being Irish. She can't do that, you know. Yeah, but she's she from can't have Ireland. an Irish passport. So her name is Antonia Campbell Hughes, and she plays Kelly, and Julianne Morris plays um, Victor. And it was it's kind of just a it's a love story between the two of them. They kind of come together at a party, and then you can tell that something's happened. Kelly in the past, whereby she's had a pretty abusive relationship, and. In her relationship with Victor, though, she kind of becomes the dominant force and gets a bit weird at times. But it's just a really powerful, emotional film. Some fantastic performances in it. And it'll be definitely one. It could be up on Volta already, but it's that kind of Volta film. Volta-worthy. Volta.ie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't get to see it. I kind of, when I was looking back through the year, I think you wrote the thing during the week and it got me realising that with the exception of Good Vibration, so little Irish cinema that really knocked my socks off this year, you know? It it suffered too much from too many of them getting released at, at one time. I think there was one weekend where there was like two or three in yeah. the cinema the same weekend. Well, I think what happens is we get the very best... Take America out of the equation, obviously, because um, we get to see everything the studios tell us we have to see. But then, yeah. in terms of any other European cinema, we get the very best that France 
fields we should be seeing because it gets through all their festivals and gets picked up and so we only get good yes. same with documentaries European like Latin American yeah. cinema only the good stuff and yet in Ireland we kind of have to be the testing ground and anything the unfortunate thing is that there's so little filters if it gets money from the Irish film board then we have to go and see it we're told oh be honest this is worthwhile Yeah. and there's not really much of a filter there <laughs> uh, very good uh, so then as October arrives you start getting kind of the films that people start to talk about as being awards contenders so Oscar there's a bit of a, yeah. a, a breath of kind of a bit For of sure. relief you kind of wash away the stench of blockbuster season and you know yeah. clean your palate with some good films yeah and that's not to say we don't really like blockbusters because in the winter we did get the Hunger Games which was fantastic and great fun haven't Jennifer seen it Lawrence yet disclaimer wonderful. disclaimer well I think you will enjoy it uh, but I don't yeah. think I think it's fantastic but okay I think you'd be surprised. It's featured on some of our on of our friends of spool favorite lists, which is great. Um, and anyway, we saw uh, Blue Jasmine. Did we see that together? Maybe. I think we did. Yeah, we saw it late in the light on a Friday evening. Yeah. So, uh, did you have the a latest for it? Woody Allen film? Yeah, starring Kate Blanchett, who's hopefully, I think, undeservedly going to get the Oscar for Best Actress because there's been some talk of Philomena for Judy Dench, and I was like, no, and for Emma Watson with. Saving Mrs. Banks, don't think she should win either. So I think definitely not. So we'll have a clip of Kate uh, Blanchett doing her stuff. No, it's my idea. I don't think it is. I think she thinks I'm a bum like your first husband, right? That's what you told me. Can you give me a break? No, by all rights, I should be living here, not you. What do you mean by all rights? Did you tell me you wanted a guy here for the kids, Look, so the kids could grow up with a father? I just need some time to clear my head. Julie, Julie, we're okay? talking about getting married. Now all of a sudden she's taking you to parties and telling you I'm not good enough for you. So this is almost a bit of a remake in a way because it's a it's a telling really of um, a streetcar named Desire. We have Kate Blanchett as the Blanche character who's going a bit crazy, slowly losing her mind, and Alec Baldwin did a great supporting role. Yeah, Alec Baldwin's always good value for money. And uh, her sister, Kate Blanchett's sister, Sally Hawkins. Yeah, is very good, very like Golden Globe this. nomination. Yeah. Wonderful actress. Like she was in Happy Go Lucky a few years She'll ago. Probably get a supporting Oscar, maybe nomination. Would you yeah, think? yeah. People have warm people. Hollywood loves Woody Allen, like, and they like like to kind of. Seems to be his golden age. There was Midnight in Paris, and yeah, and they love his uh, Penelope Cruz won her Oscar for Vicky Cristina Barcelona, I think. And yeah, they like to award his people. Has a nice wee cameo too from uh, Spool favorite Louis C.K. Yeah, yeah. I think they're trying to get a film in the pipelines. Him and Woody, which will be mm. great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That, you mentioned Philomena. Then did you? You it was alright. It did. Fe- the one thing I should note about it is it featured Steve Coogan, who had like maybe four films this year. Yeah, Philomena was great. It was kind of it, it captured the dynamic well of kind of I think we as like late twenties identify with the Steve Coogan character, where we would be really angry. And Judy Dench is fantastic as the classic kind of Irish mother is like, oh no, it's grand, sure, everything's fine and don't create a fuss where you need to. And there was some great dialogue between the two of them, but there were certain things that kind of annoyed me because you were like, well, that didn't obviously really happen. And they get together too quickly at the start. I know they need to, to get the film going, but it just doesn't seem that believable. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a melodrama, like melodramatic kind of film in a way because so many, like it's the one that, as I said, my parents, you know, this is one for to bring your grandparents to almost like it's a really kind of multi uh, age focusable film. You word? speak well no. English. Multi demographic. <laughs> Yoda, a little cameo from Yoda there. Yeah. Um, so no, I, I I liked it a lot, but I liked as much about it that it managed to cross like it. it you know, it's one of the few films this year that Roping they were talking everybody. about on Joe Duffy. Yeah. Can you name another film that they were talking about on Joe Duffy? I can't and I listen quite regularly uh, next we, we chat about it early we're kind of up to nearly the end of the year almost I guess The Counselor we could that was a couple of weeks ago which uh, we talked about in last month's podcast debate and you can go back and listen to it but both of us are I'd almost say counsellor apologists where yeah. kind of feel the need to defend it from everyone and all that 
Yeah, because it kind of got, again, class, just destroyed by people. And I don't know, everyone just seemed to jump on the bandwagon going, yeah, this is terrible. We're not even really going to give it any thought as to why it's terrible. Just, yeah, it's terrible and it doesn't deserve your, your attention. But it it's not that dissimilar from uh, No Country for Old Men in certain regards because, yeah, it's kind of pretentious. You don't see things happen on screen, which was all in No Country for Old Men, um, like I kind of argued in the last podcast. But it's really good performances, very unsettling at times. And yeah, ah, yeah, that's it. Looks great. Yeah, but and divided people a bit, which is always much more interesting. Is um, it the most divisive film of the year? Maybe no, not, because I think most, most people hated, hated it. it. I think I think something like Star Trek nearly or Man of Steel seemed to get the full gamut of ratings from people I talked to. Like there were people who loved it and people who despised it completely. So I'd near like. But I think that just happens with any kind of nerdy comic book thing. I'd almost not include not the those. Same because you've just got the hardcore fans who are like, oh, this is no, terrible. No. I, I don't know, know I any. I can tell a group of 10 people where like some of them thought it was good. But you do. I don't think there was that that kind of divided people as much. Um, do you want to listen to a clip from Nebraska? Yes. Because this is a film that's out right now the last week or two. This um, is almost like our December. Mm. So how long it take you to get here? I don't know. Uh, we got sort of waylaid in Rapid City. That's where Dad had his little accident. But how long total? A um, couple days, I guess. From Billings? Yeah. How far is that? It's probably about uh, 750 miles. It took you two days to drive 750 miles? Were you driving a dump truck or something? <laughs> it's a Subaru. Outback. Hell, I drove up from Dallas one time. That's 850 miles. I'd done that in eight hours. That's like over 100 miles an hour. Oh, Bart was moving. Clip from Alexander Payne's film there in Nebraska, which stars the 77-year-old Bruce Dern in what many people are saying is his... Uh, Swan song. Yes, role of his life cliche which oh. they always trot out when people are really old uh, so Nebraska again is one of these black, black and white um, films Alexander Payne it kind of has his traditional motifs of men kind of looking back at their life and being very desolate and melancholic and it starred uh, Will Forte who's a Saturday Night Live stalwart who's great and it. he kind of has this constant depressed tang dog you know bleak yeah he's like. great in it I was really impressed with him as an actor because um he was MacGyver he's, uh, and he's done a lot of like he hasn't really gotten much kind of serious dramatic work and he doesn't have a really a lot to do in this but he's still you know he just has to be a foil to people who are much bigger characters around him he just has to be the everyman kind of down on the straight guy, guy yeah yeah but it was great it kind of stays with you for a long time it's very funny um, yeah good performance definitely worth checking out it's out in the cinema right now unlike probably any other film we've mentioned Philomena is probably still in there too yeah um, another one that came out in the last week or two was The Hobbit um, it's, if you like the first film then you'll like this a bit more that's pretty much all I'd say if you didn't like it you'll probably dislike it the same amount there's a 20 minute segment where they're going down a river and barrels, barrels. It's a which is in the book but you're like it's a kids book yeah it's a Playstation 2 game that's what I'd say The Hobbit is not even Playstation <laughs> 3 or 4 yeah. and the kind of I didn't like to bring all these other things in where it's um trying to give it gravitas because again it's a kids book and it doesn't have it whereby they're like oh here's how Saruman started and here's a love story that doesn't exist in any way with Kate from Lost yeah yeah but she's very good Evangeline Lilly at least she picks someone this time and stays with them instead of crisscrossing between the two of them has she though Legolas has kind of run off it's a bit of the <laughs> yeah <laughs> bit of the Sawyer and uh, and Jack dilemma anyway um, that's also in the cinema like I said I'm not even going to bother if, if you like the first film go and see this one you'll enjoy it if not don't like it's not gonna like I think Return of the King was really interesting the way that won like 13 Oscars after they'd ignored it for the first two they were like oh crap this is and Harry Potter as well by the time these big things come around they're like god so many people were employed by these films we better kind of reward them with a bit so who knows maybe this time next year The Hobbit will have gotten to that level but I don't think so it's been too kind of derided but I had great fun in cinema I had a ginormous Fanta as well it was so you were just hepped up on Fanta juice absolutely like a <laughs> tankard you know it was huge um, and we were going to wrap up this has been a long and dwindling podcast without much focus but it's kind of been it, like it is interesting to look back on the year as a whole um, been so much written about it that I pretty much have fatigue already um, yeah just talking about it and it's done now at least and you kind of draw a line in the sand and you talk about all the films good seen, riddance 
<laughs> well, no, I think overall no, it was a good year. It's I a think good year. Film. You can keep an eye on it. And when uh, you see our tens, you'll see they're up parallel to this uh, podcast as well. Maybe you're listening to it from within. Um, that thing and then we've lots of other content if you're into that kind of thing um, but anyway we're going to close off on a film that we haven't really talked about too much which we both voted we kind of sat down and write down our joint fives that we were willing to kind of push as films that speak a little bit this about is our hive mind what spoon. we do yeah that's <laughs> sort of like last year we had some we, we came up with this idea and it sort of speaks about what we as a as a duo kind of like and films that we both are into and there's a bit of an Irish thing a bit of a documentary thing and this is an independent American black and white film. Big ticks loads of boxes. Yeah. Uh, Noah Bombox Francis Ha. We talked about it a lot. You can go back and read the review. If anyone hasn't seen this, then they need to see it. Check it out over the holidays. And here's a clip. Bye. We'll see you in January. Happy Christmas. I want this one moment. It's it's what I want in a relationship, which might explain why I'm single now. Ha ha. <laughs> um it's kind of hard to it's that thing when you're with someone and you love them and they know it and they love you and you know it but it's a party and you're both talking to other people and you're laughing and shining and you look across the room and catch each other's eyes but but not because you're possessive or it's precisely sexual but because that is your person in this life. And it's funny and sad, but only because this life will end and it's the secret world that exists right there in public, unnoticed, that no one else knows about. It's sort of like how they say that um, other dimensions exist all around us, but we don't have the ability to perceive them. That's. That's what I want out of a relationship. Or just life, I guess. Love. I sound stoned. <laughs> I'm not stoned. Thanks for dinner. Bye. Oh, bye.